Hi, and welcome to Apple Jam, a place where my friend Neil McCutcheon and myself, Bernardo Morales, discuss Beatles and Beatle-related records. These conversations are hosted in Clubhouse, where we meet every two weeks to discuss an album. We'd like to invite you to join the Apple Jam Club in Clubhouse and to follow us on Instagram. Now, without any further ado, here's the episode. Welcome. I'm Neil McCutcheon, and I'm with my friend Bernardo Morales, and we talk about Beatles albums. And this is number 14, I believe, episode 14. Wow. 14 already. Yeah, I think so. And this week we have decided to do Rubber Soul. Yeah, it's a very, very good album. It's one of my favorite Beatle albums, I have to say. Um, how do you feel about Rubber I've Soul? People... I quite like it. I, I've been getting to know it more this week. I, I don't think it's all killer, no filler. Uh, but I have met... One uh, people, one of our ex colleagues actually in Budapest. Uh, this was her favorite Beatles album, and I gave her my um, original CD copy. Wow, the 1987 one. Yeah, just because I'd replaced it uh, with the new remix or the yeah, well, remix remaster. You can tell me all about that. I'm kind of a little bit confused. Yeah, I think that was a remaster, wasn't it? The 2009. It was, uh, a, it, it was a remaster of the 1987 remix. And why did George Martin remix this one but not the others in 1987? I don't know. Do you know he, why? No, I have no idea. He remixed this one and Help. Those are the two that, that he remixed. Um, and, and they were highly criticized at the time. And, and, and they still kind of are. And the only way... Um, currently, to get the original stereo on um, mix on CD is to buy the mono box set. Right, but why would you want it? Apparently, he added um, digital reverb, a lot of digital reverb to to some of the tracks. So, but the thing is, I'm so uh, used to I'm so used to these versions already that it's hard for me to actually listen to the other ones. This is a good version, but I'm going to ask you about the remix uh, later because this there's a kind of anomaly anomaly with Drive My Car. Do you know what it is? I have no idea. Okay, we'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. So let's just talk about the this this album. Um, one of the most interesting things I read about it, um, obviously it's the bridge between the early Beatles pop songs and the later Beatles sonic experiments and here they are on the edge right not knowing exactly where to go and uh, the lyrics are a little bit more interesting too a little bit deeper and emily mckay a music journalist from nme she said that rather than being about you know i want to hold your hand and things like that and sort of gauche you know (laughs) experiments with love you know these songs are about relationships with I quote, liberated independent women, failed one night stands and superficial scene girls. Right. So uh, really they started, and that's one impression I get from this album, there's, the, the relationships are all, you know, there's some kind of imbalance or there's some kind of story or some kind of trouble. Um, but they're proper songs about, you know, real people, not just, it's not just the early bloomer first love here, right? 
Yeah, you can you can start seeing that they started taking songwriting. I don't want to say a little bit more seriously because I think that they always took songwriting very seriously, but they were writing more complicated songs. I can see that this is kind of when when they started discovering Bob Dylan and and they got really into his music, um, and they wanted to write kind of more folky stuff. Um, Definitely, yeah. Definitely, and 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 some of this, you know, there's some humor here. There's some sinister edges here, and 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 I think their personalities are coming out more. Um, all of the writers, Ringo even gets a credit here, but it's not a very good one. Yeah, well, sh- should we start with that song? <laughs> Um, um, let's see. I just want to say, I just want to say more about the. Oh yeah, about the album, of course. Then we can go into that one. Um, so this is a quotation from Mark Lewis, and he says uh, on this album, uh, uh, well, Dylan turned them on to marijuana in 1964, so this is their pot album. And uh, Mark Lewis says that the vision, the articulation, and the knowingness are all rooted in the weed. So <laughs> you can that you can tell that there's been some pot smoking on this album. You can, um, and you can tell you can tell in in all the albums after, uh, for sale, um, that they were taking more drugs than than they were before, I guess, or that drugs were influencing the way they were writing music um, a little bit more. I would say that Revolver is more of a pot album than Rubber Soul. Yeah, that's because they're taking more pot. Because they're taking more. Point. And Paul wrote, "Got to get you into my life," which is an ode to pot. Um, so, right. Yeah. yeah. But you can hear it. You can hear it happening in this album. And the other thing in this album is just the speed at which they had to work. So um, they they come into the studio in early October, mm-hmm. and most of the recording is done in October and November because the album comes out on the third of December. So they're really working fast. Um, and this is something else. Something about the chronology again. This is from uh, Mark Lewison, but it's interesting. Um, now one can see when you look at the chronology in the studio sessions, John revealed in my life to his bandmates on a Monday, they took Tuesday off and on Wednesday, Paul brought in, we can work it out. John then goes home to Weybridge and comes in the following afternoon with Nowhere Man. Wow. So they're writing songs at a phenomenal rate. Because I, I think when they went into the studio, they didn't have much, so they were they were having to write. And there's this tremendous competition between John and Paul on this album, and it's really a really good album for John. And he has so many great songs on it: Norwegian Wood Girl, In My Life, Nowhere Man, some of his best. Yeah, that's true. I think that at the time they were so scared of not having enough material to uh, to. Uh, for Robert Soul, that I think re- they finished Wait, which I guess was, um, I think the, uh, it was recorded during the Help sessions. And they did this song called 12 Bar Original, which I, I think you can find in, in the anthology, thinking yes. they wouldn't have enough material um, for yeah. for the album. It's, it's quite good that they put, didn't include that one, probably. Yeah, that's not a very good one, actually. And did you know how it was received at the time? Do you know this? Um, it was praised at the time, wasn't it? Well, not completely. So both Melody Maker and Record Mirror, which uh, were, the, I guess, the the most important music papers in Britain, both of them said it wasn't their best. Melody Maker said it was a bit subdued. 
And I had a colleague, my first employer, um, and he was, you know, he'd been around in the 60s, a young, young guy in the 60s. And he said and maintained uh, to this day that Robisol was boring. Wow. So there you go. <laughs> Some people are agnostics. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I from what I've read, um, it was um, Alan, Alan Evans from Enemy wrote that they're still finding different ways to make us enjoy listening to them. So, um, yeah, well, yeah, and it, 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 it's full of variety, this album, isn't it? Mm. And we have to say, this is the album that inspired uh, Brian Wilson to record Pet Sounds. Of course. Just before we dive in to the album itself, do you want to say something about the US version? Because you uh, alerted me to that. Yeah, well, um, the first version I ever got of this album was an LP that I got in a secondhand store. Um, and it was yeah. the American version. Um, and when I got the yeah. actual CD, the 1987 CD, I was surprised that the track list was completely different. I was so used to the American uh, track listing. Um, so the um, the official release, the, the British release, had Drive My Car, Norwegian Wood, You Won't See Me, Nowhere Man, Think For Yourself, The Word, Michelle, What Goes On, Girl, I'm Looking Through You, In My Life, Wait, and If I Needed Someone, and Run For Your Life. And the American yes. version was slightly different. Instead of having uh, 14 tracks, it only had 12. Um, and it started with I've Just Seen a Face, which I have to say is a great opening track. Um, yes. Norwegian Wood, You Won't See Me, Think For Yourself, The Word, Michelle, It's Only Love, which was in, in the, mm -hmm. in the um, UK version of Help. Um, Girl, I'm Looking Through You, In My Life, Wait and Run For Your Life. So, wow, and that's better because it doesn't have what goes on. <laughs> it doesn't have what goes on, um, which I want to talk about. I actually kind of like that song. Um, okay. It doesn't have it, and it's more folksy as well because it doesn't have Drive My Car. Yes. It doesn't have If I Needed Someone. Yeah. So kind of the rockers were taken off. Um, it's, it's got a kind of unity, doesn't it? Yeah, so, so it's, it's more cohesive. And this is the version that inspired Brian Wilson to write Pet Sounds, not the UK version. Right. So, um, what goes on? I just think this is kind of filler, and I just I kind of feel really sorry for Ringo that that you know I mean they they just gave him like a duff track here. <laughs> well, it was a song revived from the Quarrymen days because they needed to fill the album up, and uh, yeah, I think it's not their best. Yes, but it's a song that John must have liked because he, he wanted to record this song originally in the same session um, as, as the one, when they recorded One After 909 and George Martin didn't like okay. it. Um, so they didn't record it and he dug it back for, for this. So, Do you want to play a little bit of it? <laughs> I think, let me see if I can find a demo because the demo has slightly <laughs> different verses. Um, let, okay. me, let me show you it. That's better. I know, it's a little bit better, isn't it? It's really kind of country and western. I think that's all right. That's yeah. okay. 
yeah. And, and let me and this, this, go on. Um, and let me play the other one. Just one second. Okay. Here you go. harmonies in the background. That's probably enough. <laughs> That's enough. Yes. So this this um this is credited to Lennon McCartney and Starkey. So that's a that's a So Ringo must have inputted something lyrics maybe. Maybe. <laughs> is that the first credit he got with the Beatles? Yes. Yes, I think so. Yeah. So. Let's talk about some of the amazing songs on this album. Yeah. I got to start with uh, Drive My Car because I just think it's an incredible track. And the more I hear it, the better it gets. Um, Paul used to open his live sets with this. So the first time I saw Paul in the 90s, um, he opened with Drive My Car. And it's a superb opening track. And um, I've been listening to it again this week. And just tuning into John's harmony, I love his part. It's almost monotone, just one or two notes. And you know, Paul's vocal is great, and they've really, really got something very funky going on here. The riff, there's a dual guitar bass riff, and I've always liked that. When you listen to that, when you tune into that, it's fantastic. Yeah, and it's, great kind, of, track. it's kind of when Paul's bass playing started getting a little bit more, uh, more fancy, mm. I guess. A little bit fancier, yeah. Um, because before it yeah. used to be very, um, very basic, and from Rubber Soul onwards, it started to become a little bit more sophisticated. I think. I think there's more bass end as well. Although you know we can't, we can't really hear it because this album doesn't benefit from the demixing that we've heard. But one day it will. Uh, you can, but you hear, you can hear the bass. Yes, and it's a lovely I've... tight arrangement. I think this is going to be the next uh, box set, um, and and certainly this song is going to benefit from from a remix. Yeah, for sure. And apparently, this one's uh, influenced by um, Otis Redding, and I had a listen to um, Otis Redding "Respect," mm -hmm. and yeah, you can you can you can hear the similarities. I mean, they haven't stolen anything, but it it, it does sound like something from uh, American. Soul um, that was going on at the time. Mm -hmm. Yep, it's 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 certainly a great song. It's it's a good rocker, um, and it's a it's also a great way to start an album. So something that the American version and the the UK version of the album have in common is that even though they have different tracks, the opening tracks are great. Yeah, and it's the uh, the there's a female protagonist, right? She's she's going to be the star, and she's inviting the she's inviting the songwriters to, to, to be the driver right so it's interesting it kind of subverts the expectations of uh, like at that time in the 60s sort of gendered expectations so she's kind of calling the shots here mm -hmm. 
And also, it's worth mentioning this is one of the of the um, lyrics they found the most difficult to write together. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, apparently the chorus began with "You can buy me diamond rings," and they thought it was very cliche, and and they had a writing session, and 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 they almost didn't manage to to rewrite the lyrics until um, one of them became with the with the line "Drive my car," and then from then on it flowed uh, quite easily. The critic Kenneth Womack said that the lyrics were loaded with sexual innuendo. So there you are. <laughs> well, there you go. That's the pot album. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to play a bit of this? And yes. then I'm going to ask you about the mix. Yes. Let me let me play a bit of it. Right, it's just a, such a superb arrangement. Um, just be careful about the volume there. I think it's pushing it. Um, oh, was it too too high? Not too high, but just pushing into the max. Okay. I think it's louder than our voices, but maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, um, I just wanted to say about the mix, there's something mysterious going on here because, um, you know, you've talked to me before about the, the, this album being panned left and right yeah. and, and sometimes it annoys you. Well, with this one, the vocal is in the center and I've listened to all the other tracks and they're more or less a mix of left, right panning with some some things are in both speakers, but there's nothing that's dead center. But for this, the vocal's dead center. So I wonder if it was mixed separately or... Uh, from the rest of the album. It's a, it's a mystery. Uh, I really don't know. It, it's completely different from the rest of the album. What's your next track? Um, let's talk about some of the acoustic ones. Um, how about Michelle? Oh, yeah. No, Michelle, what do you think of that? Oh, it's, it's one of my all-time favorite Beatles songs. I have to say. And why do you like it so much? Well, the, my dad loved it. It was one of his all-time favorite Beatles songs. That and Twist and Shout were um, two of his favorite ones. Um, and I just think it's it's. I, I love the melody. I think it's a little. It's it's a bit of a different melody to what they had done up until that point. Um, and then playing it on guitar is so difficult. It took me a while to learn it. It's got that. a great. Uh, acoustic line to open and really nice, uh, really nice simple guitar part. And and who wrote the harmonies? Was it Paul or was it George Martin? Because those harmonies are out of this world. Like the other week, we were talking about here, there, mm -hmm. and everywhere, right? So this is the first time that they that they have harmonies like this. And I wonder if they cooperated in writing it with George Martin. I don't know because they're beautiful. They are lovely. Um, I would say that was George Martin. Um, he was a producer in the end, so it just makes sense that he was the one who, who would write those it things. It could have been. Sounds like somebody with a really musical ear. We used to sing this one at school, I remember, in the in the 70s when it when it was only a few years old. Yeah, well. But it's, it, it is a beautiful and song. Um, and yeah. do you know any anything about the story of the song? Um, I know that 
um, John, it was an early song from uh, Quarrymen days that John wanted Paul to to bring back, but obviously they they reshaped it, um, and 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 they worked, you know, they worked on it to to arrange it, and and, and I also know it's the first song that they did with bouncing, so that's. Um, putting two tracks onto one mm -hmm. because there weren't enough tracks. I think they were recording with a four track at this time. So this is the first song, so I believe, where they had to bounce things together to make room for more instruments. Yeah, the bass is also much nicer than what they'd done um, up until that point. It's got a really nice bass line. A lovely bass. Play, play a bit of it. Okay, one second. It's lovely. It's a great vocal, isn't it? It is a brilliant vocal, yes. So apparently John stole the I love you, I love you, I love you, or Paul, but perhaps John, um, stole it from I Put a Spell on You by Nina Simone, and I did listen to that, and yes, uh, that was stolen. <laughs> wow, I didn't know that. <laughs> that was a hit. It was a hit in, in that, the summer of that year, yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. Um, well, just to, my dad told me that song was extremely popular in Costa Rica uh, when when he was a kid. Um, and it was and, possibly a single. I, that's what I was. Maybe. What I'm not sure of whether it was a single or not. Because was it released as a I single? I think it was a single in America. I got a feeling it was a single in the states. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Apparently, yeah. John blocked it from being a single in Britain because I think he was jealous. Well, the 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 B side would have been girl, I guess. Maybe yeah. yes, because they are they're very much a partnership, aren't they? Yeah, on and something interesting. Um, Michelle won the Grammy for Song of the Year in nineteen sixty seven. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, because it was very much covered, wasn't it? It was covered by the Sandpipers and a lot of bands at that time. Yeah, because um, it's sort enough, of timeless. Funnily enough, that was the only time the Beatles got a Grammy for Record of the Year. Or Song of the Year, oh, sorry. okay. Yeah. Okay. So they didn't get any Grammys for their albums? Um, I think they got Grammy for Sgt. Pepper. But, I mean, for Song of the Year, okay. um, 1967 was Michelle. 68 was Up, Up and Away by Jimmy Webb. 1969 mm -hmm. was Little Green Apples by Bobby Russell. And then... Um, They've all disappeared. Yeah, and then disappeared. Joe South, 1970, with games people yeah. play, and then 71, which would have been the year of Let It Be. It was Paul Simon with Bridge Over Troubled Water. Wow. Okay. So Beatles can't touch Beyonce anyway. No. <laughs> <laughs> for for Grammys. I know. Yeah. It's crazy, this, isn't this, it? This has, yeah. And uh, this 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 um, song had a bit of French in it, which Ivan Vaughan, Beatles' friend, his wife was a French teacher, so she provided the French line. Um, my parents used to criticize Paul's pronunciation here for the très bien ensemble, and it should have been très bien. 
Trev, yeah, they were very fussy. Yeah, I remember watching a YouTube video years ago saying that it sounds like Sunday Monkeys won't play piano songs. <laughs> Say that again. Sunday Monkeys won't play piano songs. Brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely Does it sound brilliant. like that? Let's let's take a look. Let's have a quick listen. Sorry, that was driving my car again. Just one sec. <laughs> I can sort of hear it. <laughs> if you weren't expecting it to be French. And then, of course, John followed this up with um, Girl, uh, which is an, a, a, just a, a, a fantastic uh, song, one of his best, isn't it? It is a great song that suffers from that horrible stereo panning so badly. Yeah. <laughs> I sort of don't notice that so much. I, I can just enjoy it without really noticing that. But you're right. It is panned left and right. Now, what do you think of the inhalation? What is that? Because <laughs> I've read two interpretations of it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but it adds to the song. So apparently, I mean, uh, I read that it, it could be them um, inhaling pot. It was the month that they went to the palace to get their OBEs and they're supposed to have smoked pot in the toilets of Buckingham Palace but I've always thought it was a kind of um, lascivious if that's how to pronounce it and lustful about the girl yeah, that's what it sounds like I think that would make more sense I'm not too sure whether they smoked uh, pot in the bathrooms at Buckingham Palace um, nor am I but so, this was the month that they went yeah, so, yeah. but yeah. I, I don't think they did I don't think they would have done that do you know about the slightly naughty backing vocals in Girl? Of course you do. Yeah, the tit 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 tidbit. Yeah. So they're just having lots and lots of fun here. And I just wonder who they who they wrote it to. I mean, to a kind of ideal woman, right? I mean, John wasn't writing it to Cynthia. So is it is it is it a groupie? Who are they writing it oh, who to? Who knows? Um, Elvis Costello said that um that that's when he thought that the Beatles had really changed. Um, going from she loves you, yeah, 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 to what she told when she was young that pain would lead to pleasure. Did she understand it when they said? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so the lyric, lyric yeah. is a bit more complicated. There's a lot about pain and pleasure. And John said, I was, I was just talking about Christianity in that a thing like you have to be tortured to attain heaven. I'm only saying that I was talking about pain will lead to pleasure in girl, and that was sort of the Catholic. Christian concept, interesting, mm. uh, because you know I, I never thought it was a song about God, but it's definitely got that idea of suffering because this woman is aloof, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but great song, um, very fun to play on the guitar as well, um, and and yeah, one of John's best, as you said. And to play it with a capo like they did, yes, it's like capo on the eighth fret. It's it's really high up. Wow, because it's supposed to suggest bazookies and mandolins. Yeah. And uh, yeah. apparently the music owes uh, a debt to music for Zorba the Greek. I, mean, I haven't seen Zorba the Greek, but I think John was quite proud of the fact it sounded a little bit exotic. Yeah, I wonder if he did that on purpose, if he uh, put the cap on the eighth on purpose, or whether he wrote it um, kind of lower. Who knows? Yeah. 
Do you want to play a bit of I'll, girl? I'll, should I play a bit of the? Well, I'll play the, the the version with the panning. Okay. Yeah. Is there anybody going to listen to my story? All about the girl who came to stay. She's the kind of girl you want so much it makes you sorry. Still, you don't regret a single day. Ah, girl. Girl, girl. And this is where I start thinking that it's worth it to have a mono version of Rubber Soul. This is what it sounds like in mono. Is there anybody going to listen to my story? All about the girl who came to stay. She's the kind of girl you want so much it makes you sorry. Still, you don't regret a single day. Ah, girl. Girl, girl. There you go. It sounds a bit louder. That's it. Yeah, it's a nice mix. It's a really, have you got the mono version on vinyl or CD? Um, I have it on CD. Okay. Yeah, it sounds great. It does sound louder. Yeah, it's, 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 there's a fun story with a mono version on, on CD because you can get the one on on the American CDs, right? Usually these versions yeah. have the, the mono version and the stereo version on the same CD, right? Right. And okay. they released it uh, in a box set called the Capital US Records or something. Which you have. Which I, I have, yeah. But the, the, the first version they released, they made a mistake. And instead of releasing the true mono version, it was like a fall down of the stereo. Um, and then they had to re-release it um, properly with the proper mono mixes. And there is only one way to find out whether you have the right uh, version or not. And, it's that. <laughs> and how do you do that? Um, in the... Let me see if I can find it. It's with the track I'm looking through you, and the stereo version yeah. um, has a false start. So if you listen to the mono version and it has a false start, then it means that um, you have the wrong version. You've got okay. Yeah. Let me see. And if, if you I... got the wrong version or the right version, yeah, I have the right. I got the right version. I was lucky when I bought it. <laughs> yeah. But this is I'm looking through you in stereo with the false start. Huh? I'm looking through you. So that's the stereo version and the mono version doesn't have the full start. Yeah, I've never heard that full start before. I'm looking through you. Anyway. So that's that's a fun a funny story. Um, mm. With I'm looking through you, I did feel that that suffered from the hard left right panning. I thought it really did. Thought the guitars there sounded a bit thin. Uh, I mean, it's not a bad song, but I think it really needs a remix. I I think so. I think this is one of the songs that that is in, in bad need of a remix. Yeah. Like even the anthology version I think sounds better and I think that was take one. Okay. I'll have to go back and check that one out. Can you play a bit of the anthology version? Um yes, just one second. I think I have it here. One second. 
because I have like like six or seven versions of of um, um, rubber sole, and I have to find the remember. Here it is. I'm looking through you. Take one. Nicer mix. Yeah, yeah. I, I, re- I recognize that one. I remember that one from listening to the anthology. Yeah. I'm mm. looking through. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, that, I'm looking forward to the DMIX version of that one for sure. Definitely, for sure. Definitely. They did something similar because I don't know if you remember, but uh, maybe you don't remember, but a few years ago, I think it was in 2009 or 2010, they released a Beatles video game called Rock Band. Um, mm-hmm. And basically, it's one of those um, kind of PlayStation games where you have um, a, a control, like a guitar controller, and, and and you play to the songs. So they they remix some of the songs in in Dolby, and some people um, took the video game and then took the audio out, and and they remix them, and and it sounds really nice. Ah, okay. I'll play a bit of "I'm Looking Through You" from that mix. Okay. One, two, three, four. I'm looking through you Where did you go? I thought I knew you What did I know? You don't look different But you have changed I'm looking through you So it doesn't have that hard panning Mm-hmm. And and it sounds quite nice. Yeah, it's, uh, it does sound nice. Mm-hmm. Does does that game still exist? Um, it exists. I, mean, I, I don't know whether people still uh-huh. play it. I bought it actually, so, yeah. um, <laughs> and I played it in two thousand and nine. But I ha- I haven't played it since. I remember it came out at the same time as the box set. Yeah. Let's talk about Norwegian Wood because that is another fantastic song. And um, I remember a guy used to come on to the London Underground when I lived in London, and uh, he always he came on for month, months or years. I mm-hmm. mean, he, he was always there. He used to come on to the Northern Line, and he would always, and he'd say, here's a song. And he, it was always Norwegian Wood, like, he only knew one song. He did a really great version of it. <laughs> heard it so many times um, but it is a it's a brilliant song um and this is the first use of sitar in a in a pop song apparently david crosby played some sitar to the beatles in la uh when they were visiting him um the late david crosby of course mm-hmm. and um and and they they put it on this track and then it became of course uh, a cliche it was everywhere after that yeah, I thought that they had been introduced to the sitar um, when they were recording Help. Or they were shooting Possibly. Help, actually. Possibly. Yeah, there mm. was a scene with Indian musicians, and I thought that's where George was introduced to, to the sitar. Um, but, there was certainly that kind of drone-like thing uh, going on that summer. I don't know if you know the Yardbirds, For mm-hmm. Your Love. 
doesn't have a sitar in it, but it sounds drone-like. So, you know, this this kind of sound was becoming fashionable. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting that George decided to, to start using the sitar in a John song rather than in one of his songs. Yeah. Yeah, true. And it must have sounded really surprising when it first came out. Yeah. I wonder what they thought when he said, you know what? I'm just going to put a sitar here. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's you can hear the influence of Bob Dylan, um, I think, in this song very heavily. Yeah, and he apparently replied in his song, Fourth Time Around, which made John Lennon really paranoid because it was called Fourth Time Around. So I played that, and yeah, it is a kind of... Um, he's used that same melody uh, to base his song on. It's definitely a, a, a sort of a steal. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, George was uh, very good friends with Bob Dylan. I mean, he was in the Traveling Wilburys. Yeah. And I wonder whether John was. I think that, I think uh, they were rivals, kind of. And I think when they got together, there's that famous t- taxi ride they had in London in 65. I was going to say 66. Mm-hmm. No, 66. I'll say 66. And they got on quite well, apparently, when they once the ice was broken. But they were... I think rivals. Apparently, Dylan wanted to be more of a pop star than he could ever be, and John wanted that serious kind of literary reputation that he kind of couldn't quite have. Mm-hmm. So they both wanted a bit of each other's style of fame. Yeah, and he never collaborated with Paul, which I think is interesting as well. Yeah. What do you think of the lyrics on this one? Um, what do you think of the last line? Um, so I lit a, a, a fire. Um, is it? I mean, did, does he burn this girl's flat down or what? Well, I think <laughs> I mean, it seems a bit drastic. Well, um, I don't know if this is the song that comes after "Run for Your Life." <laughs> maybe because he either maybe he maybe either that girl was with another man. Flat. Maybe that girl ended up yeah. being with another man, so he went and, and burned um, her flat. <laughs> he either burned her flat or else maybe he just smoked a big joint I can't work it out when I was a kid that used to puzzle me so yeah. I lit a fire you know I remember my father said to me that's very sinister saying oh is it yeah <laughs> well I lit a fire isn't it good Norwegian wood it like it makes you feel that he actually did burn the place down um, yeah <laughs> and you would think that John's two, his most aggressive songs are in this album Yeah, and this one is kind of uh, this one is kind of about a one night stand, mm-hmm. but he was hiding that from Cynthia, so it was kind of um, a bit cryptic. This song. Well, yeah, right. He was hiding it from Cynthia, so, lo- so I write a song about it. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and 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 a lovely collaborative uh, effort with Paul as well. So the middle eight is Pauls. Yeah, and the harmonies is really nice. It's one of my favorite things of the song. Yeah, yeah. Paul singing high and John singing low. It's, it just sounds really nice. I'll play a bit. Oh, of could, it. You, could you? Play, yeah, see if you could play that bit. He's a real Sorry. Here. There it is. She told me to sit anywhere. So I looked around and I noticed there wasn't a 
sounds the bass sounds mm. lovely as well. It sounds like a double bass almost. Oh, it's just a fantastic arrangement, and it must have just been really surprising at the time. I think just to hear that, and of course the lyrics. Um, um, Ian McDonald says that other bands were also pushing the boat out lyrics wise at this time, like the Stones with Satisfaction and the Animals. Kinks, see my friends, and the who, um, any way, any how, anywhere. So um, the Beatles were starting to think, okay, let's let's sort of experiment a little bit more with the lyrics. Let's write about something a bit different and tell stories. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and the yeah, and this is one of their best efforts, at least in this record. Uh, it's 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 superb, and it's one of the best. Again. This could be a lovely a single. Drive my car, Norwegian Wood could have been a lovely single, but yeah. of course none it, of these it, it singles because you can't have to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> drive my car is a Paul song, isn't it? So yeah, you could. Yeah, have it. You, you but it, have it would have been wonderful to have that. I think that would have been a wonderful uh, single. But actually, the single that came out um, at the time, as was usual with them, was released on the same day. Mm-hmm. Um, as the album was uh, We Can Work It Out and Data Push. So the tracks weren't on the album, um, but they released them simultaneously. So those, you know, those would have made the album even stronger had they been on it. Definitely. It's, it's the story of their lives, I guess. Um, if you think about Sgt. Pepper with Penny Lane and Strawberry Fields not being in the album, I mean, it would have been a, a much stronger record if it, if they chucked um, weight and what goes on and they'd put we can work it out and they tripper yeah 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 it's a shame why did they feel the need to do that and i guess they i mean it, it could i'm just thinking it profits i mean you know money they did have the christmas number one single and album yeah uh, so there is a it's an element of calculation in it yeah I think so. I think so. But I still think that, I mean, the story goes that they were struggling to, to have enough material. And in the end, they released this single outside of the album. And, and obviously, they had enough material. Yeah. Yeah. They had enough material, but they had to, they had to you know, there's a couple here that are yeah, fillers, as we've said. What's next? Um, right. Let's talk about, um, well, I just mentioned um, weight. Okay. Um, not the strongest track. Yeah, not the strong, not, not the strongest track um, of the Beatles. Um, it's it's never been one of my favorite. If to me, when I first discovered this album and I played it, um, I remember this sounding to me like the most dated of tracks. And that's because it came from the help sessions. Well, I don't know. It just sounded very dated. Like if you listen to something like mm-hmm. Norwegian Wood, um, well, I don't know if you could say it could be released today the same way. But weight just sounded very sixties. Yeah, I think that's partly because George is doing his thing with the volume switch there, mm-hmm. uh, which he used on Help, and that's—I mean, I love that sound, um, but it does sound dated now, and it, and it's quite rough as well. Like uh, George sounds, I want to say on this song, kind of uninterested, <laughs> probably. And you can still hear some of the session from Help. I think the left speaker is the Help session and the right speaker is the Rubber Soul session. Well, they just overdubbed on wow. top of what they recorded before. Where did you learn that? That's I, amazing. That's quite train spottery. Or, or the other way around. Um, I can't remember where but, I heard it, actually. It, it must mm. have been a few years ago. I'll play a bit of it. 
you go. Yeah, I think Paul's Middle Eight rescues it quite a lot. Like um, a little bit like in things we said today. I think when he comes in, it, it sort of uh, yeah saves the song. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that's uh, the best part of the song. It reminds me a lot of the word. If the if this had been a single, it would have probably been the word and wait. Okay. Yeah, and the words another great track. Mm -hmm. um, wow. What we what we're we gonna do next? What about in my life? Um, I you could argue that's one of the best songs on the album, if not the best song. And I've actually seen it uh, ranked as the best song of all time by anybody. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember I've seen uh, U2's, uh, one of the U2 songs, One by U2 and this. I've uh, seen them both ranked as the best song of all time, or perhaps this was number two and that was number one, I can't remember. But anyway, in songwriting terms, And in terms of the arrangement, it's a triumph, isn't it? And it's really, really from the heart. Yeah, it is. Um, it is from the heart. It's a beautiful arrangement. I think George Martin really added to the song with his uh, with his solo, uh, which is a sped up the piano. Solo I think. I think it's um, amazing. The first time they sped anything up. Yep, it was, the f and it sounded like a completely different instrument, um, which I thought was was very interesting. And uh, and while it still kind of keeps the essence of a pop song, like it doesn't, it's not very very deep as other um, songs written by John Lennon. Like you wouldn't say this that this song could come from the Plastic Ono Band, but it is the first time that you can kind of hear him going deep into or writing about his relationships. It's the start of that. John said, "I think in my life was the first song that I wrote um, that was really consciously about my own life." Um, um, a, a journalist was talking to John about his book um, in his own right and journalist said to John why don't you put some of the way you write in the book as it were into songs so um, that's that's what John was thinking about here yeah interesting and, and they, oh, they all put a go on no 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 I was just going to say that it's very interesting that they never played this song live because they played some of the songs from oh. Robert Saul in their last tour Um, like they played, mm -hmm. what did they play? Nowhere Man, which is a much more difficult song to sing. Um, yeah. And they didn't play this song, If which I, I think would have been somewhere. really nice live. Yeah, I wonder why. Maybe it's because the piano solo, because nobody could do that. Certainly not at that speed. Well, yes, but they still change some of the songs when they play them live. Like they played yesterday instead of in the key of F, in the key of G. Um, mm. and it was more of an electric version. I don't know if you've ever seen it um, from the Tokyo concert. I've seen parts of that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And they played also, I think in that tour, they played If I Needed Someone. But I think they, yes, they could have played In My Life and it would have been lovely live. Has this song got sleigh bells on it as well? Um, in My Life? Yes, yeah, like that. Yeah, something like sleigh bells and then... Ringo's really worked on the drum part as well, so it's really a great one to listen to. Jack White from the White Stripes said it was pure genius. 
Yeah, I think Paul has said in a couple of interviews that he helped with the lyrics as well, which I don't know whether it's true or not. Could you play... Is it possible to play a bit including that wonderful piano solo? Yeah, yeah, just one Harpsichord. Mm-hmm. Nice. I love the ending to that. Yeah, even a beetle can't do that. Yeah, even the... George <laughs> Martin. <laughs> <can do it. laughs> yeah, yeah, I know it sounds really yeah. good. Um, and I think a that's the reason song. why he played it like that because he couldn't play it. Am I right? Uh, probably. So it was possibly by accident. Yeah, like it sounded like a harpsichord by accident, but he played it slowly because he couldn't play it at um at normal speed. Yeah, and probably um, the key would be easier as well, like whatever key he decided yeah. to do it in. Yeah, so this um, raises the question, who was the fifth Beatle? Was it George Martin? Because he played with them. I, I don't think it can be anybody else. Well, Billy Preston. It's got to be. Yeah. <laughs> Eric Clapton. At this point, it was George Martin for sure. Yeah. Yeah. They can all, uh, they all have a, um, they're all entitled to be that, but George Martin has to be, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, he, he, he wrote a lot of the arrangements and, and he also played with them, so. Was he, yeah. he did he play it on any other tracks he must have done? Um, oh, I'd have to think about that. I would say yes, but I don't know. Okay. Mm. What do you think of Nowhere Man? I really like Nowhere Man. I'd say it's it's not one yeah. of my favorite songs on the album. Um, I never really liked the arrangement um, or or the mix on on Rubber Soul, and I much prefer the one on on the Yellow Submarine song track. Um, yeah, which we've talked about, right? With a lovely, um, yeah, that's the the best mix, isn't it? That's the go to one. Yeah. Yeah. So so that made me rediscover that song. Um, it's it's a great lyric, and and it's a very very good performance. I guess yeah. So the mm-hmm. sorry lyric about John being you know being stuck out in was it Weybridge anyway yeah in the, in the home counties and he's got a few songs um, about that. He obviously felt that he was I don't know losing momentum out there and uh, you know decaying a bit. And um, this is one of those songs, yeah, along with stuff like you know I'm only sleeping and. Mm-hmm. Yes, I guess the the only thing I don't like very much about the song is is the guitar solo. It just sounds very thin. Um, yeah, the, it's an interesting sound. That apparently, John and George are doubling up. 
Yeah. Um, it's a lovely solo, but yeah, it could do with a little bit of EQ um, being taken off right on the, the, the sort of top end. It's so top end. This was a single in the US. Um, was it? Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, single. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, deservedly so. I remember being very struck by it as a child, the way that the lyrics came in without any instrumentation like that. That You know, I hadn't really heard anything like that before. I loved it. The harmonies are just fantastic. Yeah. Interestingly enough as well, the, um, John and George had never had Fender Stratocaster guitars. Um, and they got their first Strat um, for the Rubber Soul sessions. They sent Mal Evans to get matching um, sonic blue well, these are, these are the light blue ones. Yeah, and um, and yeah. I think this is one of the first tracks where they played um, the strats. Mm. Could we hear the strats, or is it going to sound too trebly? I think that's the reason why the solo sounds so trebly because of um, because mm. being played on a strat. I'll play a bit of it. One second. Here you go. He's a real nowhere man Sitting in his nowhere land Making all his nowhere plans For nobody Doesn't have a point of view Knows not where he's going to Isn't he a bit like you? Again, I wonder why they chose to play this song live when it's so hard to sing. They could have played any other song from this album and it would have been easier to sing, even Drive My Car. Um, and the, the harmonies... Maybe also- they're just very... Uh, maybe it's easier to play. Uh, I mean, it's a mid-tempo song, so you know, Drive My Car would have been really hard, I guess, for them to play that funky riff and sing <laughs> and not slip up. Yeah, I guess so. But you can you can see them struggling with the harmonies um, in, in in the live version. There is one I think played in Germany, um, like a live version from from uh, Germany, and and you can hear Paul struggling with a high harmony. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, apparently it was a bit of a struggle to to write. Um, says Ian McDonald, but mm-hmm. um, lovely, lovely production, lovely bass, and you know the sort of beginnings of social criticism in the lyrics, I suppose. This, that start of that, um, uh, I mean, they hadn't written anything quite like that before. Yeah. Yeah, you can tell. It must be a hard song to write. Yeah, yeah. Do you think Revolver, I'm uh, sorry, do you think Rubber Soul, uh, i got to ask you this, do you think it's a front-loaded record? In what way? I mean, I know that Girl is on side two, but side one's, better isn't it well you could argue that i guess um i don't well i never thought about it that way because i was so used to the american version and the american version has a very strong side too um you have things like it's only love right. which yes. i think fits very of course. nicely yeah um in yes in this but you might be right yes the the, the second side is much weaker than, than side a is much weaker than side b um but you still have mm. in my life on side b and i'm looking through you and girl yeah, yeah. So it's got some good ones. We haven't talked about any of the George songs. Yeah. Um, let's. Sh- Which is the best of the George ones here? 
He's got two? He's got two, two yeah. Think yeah. for yourself and If I Needed Someone. I like If I Needed Someone very much because I like the sound of his 12-string uh, guitar. Um, and, yes. Um, uh, apparently, that's that's kind of um, influenced by the birds, um, self-consciously stolen from their bells of Rumney, which I had to listen to just now. And yeah, it is uh, stolen. Yeah. Not the melody, but the, the, the sound and the rhythm. Right. On a Rick and Becker twelve I thought the birds were influenced by George's sound on a hard day's night. As well. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's a, it's a, it's George's best track to date, right? Yes, yes. Um I think so. Yeah. I think it's much nicer than Think for Yourself. Although Think for Yourself has that um bu- uh, buzz on, on the bass. Yeah. The lyrics quite funny. I was it's like it's like I don't need someone. It's Joy, call your number on my wall. Maybe you'll get a call from me if I needed somebody, you know, but I don't. I kind of don't, you know. George is always so, like, distant and a bit kind of solemn. <laughs> I know. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I might I might give you a call, you know, if, if I needed someone, but, you know, but I, I kind of don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'll play a bit of it. Yeah, it's really nice. I like this song actually. Great harmonies again. They, they, they really made an effort. They're starting to make an effort with George's songs now on on this album, aren't they? And taking um, more seriously as a songwriter. I think so, but I don't think he. It wasn't until later. It wasn't until Revolver that he wrote. I think his best tracks. There, yeah, there is yeah. a big difference between if I needed someone and and um, uh, think for yourself. If you compare it to Taxman, Taxman is such a such a good song compared. Oh yeah, and yeah, this is the both of these follow the same kind of like there's a kind of melodic progression. You know, got your number on my wall, da, da, and then think for yourself. Uh, so although your mind's opaque, try thinking more of it. So the the melodies are very simple. Mm-hmm. Um, very simple. Crotch, crotchets or whatever descending. Uh, so yeah. I think by yeah by the time he gets to Taxman, he's really writing something special. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, what do you think about Run for Your Life? Well, somebody posted on Facebook when we said we were doing this that it was a kind of a misstep. It is a, it is a nice rocker. Uh, it was the first recording for this album, but it is misogynistic, right? Well, I mean, yes. it's a nasty. Kind of, it's the only. I would say it's the only Beatles song that is nasty in that way, and and it's. I mean, some people just. I mean, I was talking to a colleague recently, and mm-hmm. he likes his music with a nasty edge. He's like, I want that edge, you know. And of course, you know, it is quite a turn on for people, but um, for the Beatles, it's kind of a. It is a sort of misstep, isn't it? A sort of error of judgment or something like that. 
Well, it is a product of its time, I guess. Um, you could say that because no, nobody raised these things back in the 60s. I mean, it, it isn't until now that uh, people started kind of uh, bringing that thing up, the fact that um, it's it's a misstep. Um, True. Maybe it inspired um, these books are made for walking. Yeah. Uh, and, and Nancy Sinatra. You know, there were a lot of songs at this time about, you know, like, I'm going to really do you if, you know, do you in. <laughs> but and, and the line from that song that is um, judged the most is the first line. I'd rather see you dead, little girl, than to be with another man. Right? The sinister bit for me is, uh, the, you know, that's the end. Yeah, well, that's the way that that's he sings, The way that he delivers it, and it's like he's... Um, drawing his finger across his throat or something you know well what what i'm a violent i'm a vi very violent man who regrets my violence you know that's yeah, it's no, kind no. of yeah you can see it yeah but that line i'd rather see a dead little girl but to be with another man was taken from an elvis song from baby let's play house ah okay i did i did read that but i don't know baby let's play house yeah it's now listen to me baby try to understand i'd rather see you dead little girl than to be with another man now baby come back baby come come back <laughs> that's a really good way to get her to come back <laughs> <laughs> let's play house because if you don't i'm gonna murder you <laughs> yeah pretty much um and nobody said that that was a misstep of elvis's or maybe people uh, have, no. and I just haven't heard it. Because that was even further back in history, I guess, and people didn't care about that kind of thing. Yeah. Anyway, it's a, it's a, it's a rocker, isn't it? I'm glad that they weren't all like this. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it, I have to say, it's not one of my favorite John songs um, by any means. Um, and something interesting is that if, if you look at Revolver, because a lot of people compare Revolver and Rubber Soul because they're released kind of um, close to each other. Um, mm. Revolver started with Taxman and finished with Tomorrow Never Knows. So you had a great um, opening track and a brilliant closing track. Um, and it wasn't exactly the case with um, with Robert Soul. I don't think he had the best um, closing track. No, um, but it did have a brilliant opening track, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the opening track you, you you can't argue with that. Like it, it's, it's great. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's not a it's not a it's not a brilliant closer. No, um, yeah. I've I've only literally got Bernardo five minutes because I've got somebody coming around to buy some stereo equipment. Um, that's fine. So, I think I think we've uh, talked about most of the songs already, and it's already been an hour. We haven't just mentioned the cover. I think it's worth just. Uh, I think it's just worth commenting on this. Mm -hmm. So the distorted image on the cover, because the photo that um, the photographer had taken fell over on a piece of card, and they and they, it got leaned slightly fell, and they said, oh, "We like that elongated image." And of course, um, they'd reached the stage. I love the. Uh, sort of arrogance, if that's what it is, where they don't even need to put their name on the cover anymore. Um, it just says Rubber Soul because everybody looks at those faces and they, they know it's the Beatles. That was cool. <laughs> yeah, that was really cool. Um, is that the first time their their name wasn't on the cover? I think so. Right. Might be wrong, but I think that's the first time the name was not. And of course, the name is uh, Paul McCartney's joke about plastic soul. You can hear them talking about it on the anthology, plastic soul, which I believe was used to talk about um, Mick Jagger's uh, singing. And uh, so it was a phrase that was just kind of lying around, mm -hmm. little sort of Beatles pun. And yeah, I have to say, goes. because of the name of the album and the font. 
um, when I didn't know it, I thought it would be soul music. And and it, some of it is, you know, we got uh, you know, drive my car, the word. Um, some of you know, some of the songs really have that um, soul influence, right? Yeah. Um, even um, sort of, you won't see me, a little bit Motown. So yeah, yeah. but I thought it would be more kind of Motowny because because of what what the cover looked like uh, to me when I was when I was yeah. a kid when I didn't know yeah. about the album at all. Um, I mean, they love loved Motown so much and. Uh, um, um, Otis Redding heard Day Tripper and went and did his own very speeded up version of Day Tripper. You know, mm. he obviously liked it or you know wanted to sort of repay the compliment. Yeah, but but yes, yeah, you said it's a brilliant cover. Um, I think this is the first cover that they forced the Americans to use as well, um, because before that all the releases had been different and they had different covers um, to to the UK releases. And this is the first one where they actually made them um, use the the cover design in the UK. Okay, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the single is like a little, it's a little, um, almost a miniature of the album with the the sort of we can work it out again on slightly larger themes Mm -hmm. and Day Tripper about the sort of hmm, complicated relationship sort of. So it's interesting that, that, yeah, that would have been, you know, it's it's like the album in miniature, isn't it? It's a great little single that goes with it. Yeah, it's great. Anyway. I will have to go because I think my bell is going to ring just any minute now. That's fine. But it's um, been great, great talking to you. Likewise. And I think next we're going to do the concert for Bang- Bangladesh, right? Yeah, that should be a lot of fun. That would be brilliant. Yeah, that would be yeah. great. Um it it won't be next week because I'm um, busy, but uh, perhaps in two weeks' time. Yeah, in two weeks' time. That sounds perfect. Yeah. Okay. Have a lovely weekend, Bernardo. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye for now. Bye-bye.